0: guys i want to welcome you guys to the financial freedom for physicians podcast we've got a great episode this week before we begin please hit the subscribe button as well as the notifications bell and be sure to like comment and share if you like this episode and we'll get into this week's sponsor and show another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it CitiVest has quickly become the most popular and best way for doctors to invest in top-performing real estate private equity funds that are usually reserved for institutional investors. This unique access to investing in these institutional funds is available for the first time ever through CitiVest's easy and secure online investment platform. CitiVest does the hard work of conducting due diligence and vetting the investments. They even get a third-party due diligence report that is posted on their website. As a result of aggregating a several-million-dollar investment amount into their access funds, CitiVest gains access to investing in the institutional investment and is able to negotiate better investment terms such as a 12% preferred return. You can check them out at citivest.com or go to the link in the show notes below. Now on to the show. Before we begin today's content, here is a quick disclaimer. The information and material presented here is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. The content is not a recommendation to buy or to sell. Some of the content may be for credited investors only or may be sponsored posts. Every investment carries risks. Results have not been verified. So carefully weigh those risks against your investment goals and objectives and see if acting on the information matches with your investment thesis. Do your due diligence prior to investing. And as always, do not invest more than you can afford to lose. So welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. And I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I started this podcast trying to expose the four types of freedom. So first is financial, second is emotional, time and location freedom. So, you know, my core group is group of physician guests who are entrepreneurs they are very well established they're investors they're they do various things so my mission is to bring to your attention awareness all the different things happening so you can either listen for in, entertainment enjoyment education and inspire you so today we have a guest Dr. Elisa Jong, and she's going to talk to us a lot about um Coaching. She's going to talk to us a lot about financial independence and we'll go from there. So, Elisa, welcome.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah. um, It was so interesting. We were talking backstage and I'm glad we were able to connect and you're able to come onto the podcast. I think the listeners would have a lot of of value from from your appearance. So um, uh, tell us all about your background, your journey, how you started and how you got into what you're doing now.
1: So I'm going to start uh, my story with just when I started learning about like personal finance and investing. And that actually was early on in you know, when I was actually a medical student, so I did an MD PhD uh, program and um, uh, medical science training program, and you know, on average, that's eight years. And I did in Cleveland, Ohio, which has a relatively low cost of living. So actually, a lot of us end up buying a primary residence since eight years is long enough to make it worthwhile to, to buy something. And I was also married, so that helped. My husband didn't have a job when I started, but obviously, you know, started looking for a job, and he is now a high school teacher. And I actually grew up in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. So in the end, I ended up buying um, the home I grew up in from my parents and we, you know, structured it where I got the largest mortgage uh, I could um, qualify for. And back then, it was actually very easy to qualify for mortgages. This was before the whole, you know, um, uh, mortgage bust. And... In that process, I really just started learning about personal finances and investing. I started reading and following, like, The Motley Fool. Um, I eventually read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, you know, and this is kind of as years were going on, uh, my parents actually recommended I uh, open a Roth IRA right after I graduated uh, college. I actually took a year off between undergrad and medical school in order to actually apply for medical school. And so I, I had know, the Roth IRA to invest in. And so I started doing some individual stock investing as well as just, you know, index fund investing. And then after being rich dad and poor dad, I actually started getting into uh, real estate investing. And by that time, I was actually in the graduate part of my MD PhD program. And in retrospect, that was probably the first time that I kind of experienced some burnout. Um, I really felt, um, a little lack of autonomy as a grad student which i know hmm. um you know just my um my principal investigator my pi he was just very micromanaging in his uh style and you know i'm very self-directed and so i just like little things where like he didn't want me to listen to music while i was doing experiments <laughs> just didn't make sense to me um, and yeah <laughs> and i actually finished my phd portion kind of off cycle so i could have gone back to med school, but like lost a lot of elective time. And so instead I just went ahead and graduated from my PhD and took, I think it was like eight months off in order to just start third year medical school in July when everyone else starts. It's so during that time, I actually flipped two houses. Um, I flipped one house during that time and then bought the second house and then finished flipping it um, during, uh, you know, third and fourth year of med school, third year of med school. Um, and, you know, really, you um, went around and met other real estate investors, you know, got involved in some other deals, um, acted like a property management uh, manager for like two investments where um, we had uh, uh, two houses that were renting to college students. And so I, I property managed that for a while and and just really learned a lot about real estate investing during that time. And also just and investing in you know, um, my Roth IRA as well. So Actually, like I kind of really built a really good financial background very early, which I think was really helpful in the past to achieving financial independence.
0: That's that's a wonderful. I'm glad to hear, um, uh, to hear about this your journey because we were similar. Because I was MD, PhD, and um, you know, I also started investing very early in real estate too, where I was in the Houston area. So, um, question for you, which is really interesting, was um, when uh, your, your motivation for investing was uh, what, what was it? Was it just curiosity? Was it, you know, you felt like you had to, or just I'm curious.
1: Yeah. So like I said, at some point in grad school is like, man, I do not want to live a life of having to chase research grants and, you know, my friends were, you uh, know, medical school because, uh, and some of them were starting residency. I'm like, wow, you really work hard. And <laughs> it's not that I was afraid of hard work. I actually went to Caltech for undergrad and worked, um, you know, studied crazy hours to to do well there. It was actually a really tough school. Um, but at some point, I realized like I want to be able to live on my own terms. I don't want someone telling me what to do. Like the lack of autonomy during uh, grad school and having someone micromanage me. Like I want to be my own boss. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, and in medicine, I think that's still a possibility, right? I mean, you can have your own private practice and still be your own boss, but that is being an entrepreneur and in reading Rich Dad Poor Dad was kind of like, well, but is that just really being self-employed versus actually being a business owner? And so I was really looking at like, how can I find ways of, you know, having my money work for me so I don't have to work for money?
0: Yeah, that's that's a really, and it's good that you learned early on you know just because um you know most people don't start till they're after residency and their attendings and you know they at that point you know if they haven't had good financial education they make a lot of mistakes so they have a lot more at stake so yeah it's curious because my mine was um i started investing because um i knew i would be four years behind and all my classmates would be four years ahead so i wanted to when i finished at least be a equal footing so i would myself learn how money worked and how to make money work for me so but so our paths our journeys are so interesting um so yeah tell us uh so now you're now you're, you have a Roth IRA you have real estate you, you've been property management so um and you're currently uh, practicing or are you I know you're doing a lot of coaching so tell us more about what you're doing now
1: Yeah. So, you know, I went back to med school and it's funny during third year, I kind of went through each rotation and I was like, not this, (laughs) not this. (laughs) And I was really kind of getting worried. I'm like, oh my goodness, am I not going to practice medicine after all this time? And at least I wouldn't have the loans having done the MSDP program. Um, But I actually did fall in love with ophthalmology and surgery. And, uh, so I ended up, um, doing ophthalmology residency at Northwestern. I love residency I did aqua plastics fellowship. And actually I really love fellowship. Um, but I, and I, during that time, I wasn't really investing in real estate. I, like I said, I flipped the properties and uh, made good money on the flipping of those properties. So in retrospect, I would have made better money holding on. <laughs> um, cause they were, I mean, they would have been great birds, uh, to refinance, get the money out and just, uh, rent those. But, um, Um, But, you know, I don't know, there was something in me that just said, okay, um, that once I become, you know, intending physician, I'll really have a lot of capital and build to invest in real estate, um, you know, actively or, and I was starting to learn about syndications at that time as well. Yeah. So when I, I took my first job in Virginia and, um, and that was like a completely different market. I was in the Virginia Beach, uh, Norfolk, Suffolk Uh, Chesapeake area, which is a high military area. So there was actually a ton of rental property. Um, Uh I ended up renting a house for $1,800 a month. That was like four bedroom, two and a half bath, like hardwood floors, granite countertops. (laughs) Like, yeah, like this beautiful house for $1,800. I was like, this makes no financial sense. Like whoever's renting me this is not making money. And the thing is, that wasn't like the only house like that. There were other houses, you know, in that we're just like, that was the market. And, Uh and so that really made me pause in buying any um, rentals in, in Virginia. And so I, I started looking to syndications, but of course, to be a credit investor, I had to actually wait the two years and making the intending income. And um, over that time, I basically realized that I, um, that the practice I had joined, I had hoped to become partner and, you know, be an owner and, um, and be on, you know, more on that kind of business management side. Um, but when I realized that wasn't going to happen, then I decided, well, you know, I should go back home to Cleveland where I really know the, um, the real estate market. I can start like doing my investing again. Like I have contacts there, and I also had a lot of friends there from the time I was doing my MD PhD. I made a lot of friends who were even outside, you know, medicine, and so they're just all established in Cleveland. As well as you know, some of my medical school friends, they stayed into residency and you know are attendings in Cleveland. So uh, I went ahead and made the big move to Cleveland, and that was in 2019. So. Um, I started looking actually for a, a house to buy. And I was thinking, well, we'll buy a house that will essentially kind of do a house hack where like, we'll buy it, we'll live in it for, you know, one or two years and then we'll rent it out. And then maybe we'll sell it like, you know, two and a half years after we've rented it so that we can, you know, have all the capital gains without um having to pay any taxes on that and repeat that process. Like <laughs> I was having all these <laughs> thoughts on what to do, but the market had become so hot uh-huh. that um, you know, houses were flying off. Like, you know, the houses that we want to look at, you know, they chose out a week before we were visiting Cleveland were like already, um, you know, uh, uh, like off the market, like, you know, already under contract by the time we actually came a week later. So wow. I was like, gosh, I can't find this kind of speed. Um, uh-huh. So I was just like, okay, we'll rent. And then once we get here, then I'll find stuff. But um, yeah, like it, it, The market really has, it's like a completely different environment from when I was investing before. Before, when I flew those two houses, um, they were both foreclosures and there were tons of foreclosures. And, you know, in a way there were like tons of deals. I should have done more. Uh, (laughs) And so I was just in total sticker shock. Um, I eventually... Uh, you know, decided to take another real estate course. I took Letty and and Kenji's um, Zero Freedom course. uh, And I did end up buying some uh, multifamilies in Cleveland proper and then uh, bought a short-term rental in the Hocking Hills area.
0: Oh, wow. So you've had quite a very great uh, real estate career. So um, I know a lot of listeners there, like a lot of listeners are physicians or dentists, um, and they're interested in real estate. So, uh, what are I guess now the market? The market is very different than two thousand pre two uh, thousand eight. What are some of the differences that you see, and some of the pitfalls? I know we you know there's talk about you know housing bubble. Uh, maybe comment on that.
1: Yeah. So we've been lucky in that interest rates have been kind of low for a long period of time, and now they're starting to rise. And I do think with the rising interest rates, it is a little harder because the housing market is still kind of hot and and priced, you know, not low, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you've got to work a lot harder to find a deal. And then now with the increased interest rate, it's like you need even better deals so that you can get that cash flow if you're aiming for like a 10% cash on cash return. Uh, I think it is easier to do that with a short-term rental, but you've got to be really aware of the regulations of wherever you're buying that short-term rental. Um, And um, because, you know, a new regulation could, come up and that could totally kill your model if you can't uh, continue to rent it as a short-term rental.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I also read somewhere that a lot of um, institutional, you know, BlackRock and all of these um, Blackstone, these uh, funds are actually just buying up, you know, real estate, just buying, you know, they have the funds. And so a lot of investors are getting priced out because, you know, these institutions have so much money just buying up properties. So, yeah, it's definitely a totally different landscape than, you know, pre-2008, so. Um,
1: yeah, now there are even, like, syndications that are looking at single-family homes, whereas before, I think syndications more looked at, you know, big apartment complexes and self-storage and commercial and, you know, hotels. But I know the Alpha Investing Group has, uh, a, a you know, a syndication that you can buy where they're um, actually buying single-family houses in the Southern Ohio area.
0: Yeah.
1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
0: We hope you don't mind this brief interruption from one of our affiliates. Today's affiliate is studentloanadvice.com. Studentloanadvice.com is a company powered by the White Coat Investor that specialize in helping professional students such as doctors, dentists, and other healthcare professionals navigate the complex and oftentimes confusing student loan landscape. They offer a consultation as well as services to help you save money when consolidating and paying back your student loans through their different options. You can go to their website, studentloanadvice.com forward slash FFFP. That's again, studentloanadvice.com forward slash FFFP to find out more get signed up on their email list or schedule a call with andrew paulson now back to our show what are some uh, what are some um, uh good resources for people to go and read about real estate i know there's there's all that there's a novice investor there's people that never uh own real estate um and there's the season so what are some resources that helped you to to get started or helped you to continue your education
1: Yeah. So I've taken a lot of real estate courses. So back when I... Know, was a med school uh, med student grad student um i actually did the rich dad poor dad like real estate courses which was like eighteen thousand dollars, right oh, and wow. Oh, wow. yeah <laughs> and, and they really sell it to you You're like sitting there and they're they're talking to you how like you know I, I mean it really looks like you go to college you know it's not guaranteed money after you graduate college and um but you know these courses are guaranteed to teach you how to make money and you know they start telling you to call your credit cards and up your um you know, your credit limits. Uh, So, you know, I was, you know, I had a fighter under me to make money in order to actually pay back that 18,000. And I have to say those courses were not that great. I would not actually recommend those courses. Uh Um, I think there are much better courses, you know, out there now, but, uh, and so I I started taking those courses and then I wasn't really actually getting anywhere. So then I took a course by Bob Campagna, um and his course included, um, you know, coaching from him. So it's, you know, so you went and actually did the course, a live course where you learned all this information, but then there were weekly calls and then you had a cell phone and you could call and review deals. And that's really where I was able to do that first flip and then do it again. And so I really think, uh, having a mentor, uh, someone to guide you, someone to to uh, review things as well as having a community to discuss deals, to you know talk about if you have a win to share those wins so that it keeps reinforcing your Um, propensity to move forward. And also when you hear about other people's fails, but then how they learn from it, then you can learn from other people's mistakes and hopefully avoid making those mistakes yourself. So, you know, I think those are what's really important is is mentorship, community, and of course, educating yourself either through courses or books or, you know, some combination of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've found that um, when coaching clients, uh, you know, a coach, a mentor, somebody, they can show you the ropes, they can, tell you to avoid the pitfalls. A so really a good community uh, of just like-minded people to to share. So you've given a lot of good tips. Um, and uh, now uh, are you, what are you doing currently? Are you doing real estate or are you doing syndications or um, tell us all of the above? Oh, everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
1: And, and so I, you know, I do coaching as well and, um, so I got into coaching because of burnout. So when I went moved back to Cleveland, I ended up uh, taking a job at a big hospital system, which kind of never wanted, but I, I just wanted to come back home to Cleveland, and that was kind of my, you know, ticket to to do it. No. Uh, but definitely lack of autonomy there, and I was taking twenty four seven call, um, no. which I had agreed to, but the expectations of my uh, division uh, had in how I took the call was not. We were not on the same page on that, so uh, so coaching really helped me get through the burnout of being at that job. And you know, I was actually at that point where I was ready to quit my hospital job and start my own private practice, and again, be the entrepreneur, business owner. But as I thought about it, you know, coaching has a lot of the aspects of medicine that you know I love in terms of being really able to help people and connect with people, and it also doesn't have all the regulation of medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also gives you other freedoms like you talk about the four freedoms location freedom time freedom uh, financial freedom and emotional freedom well coaching actually kind of gives you that financial freedom because it allows you to build manage your mind and so i continue to have my own coaches to work with to continue to manage my mind and have that emotional freedom um But having a coaching business also gives location freedom because, you know, I coach over Zoom calls. I can do that virtually from anywhere. Whereas if I open a private practice oculoplastics clinic, (laughs) then I am very much tied to the location of, you know, where my clinic is and where, you know, I'm doing surgery. Yeah. And then, you know, the time freedom with coaching, I can schedule calls, you know, whenever my clients and I find it convenient. So, I mean, and that can be evenings and weekends uh, and leaving me days where I can go run other errands when stores are open. Uh, You know, it can be whatever works for me as opposed to kind of, you know, the typical clinic model where you're working, you know, weekdays you know, eight to five or or whatnot, because that's when you know ASCs are open. That's when people expect to be able to go clinic. Though, of course, nowadays people would love to have clinics open on weekends and evenings, but then you also have to find staff that are willing to work those hours, and so that can all become, um, you know, just more of a handful. So. You know, so I decided to start a coaching business instead of starting my own private practice um, and I went down to working part-time as a physician in order to have that time uh, to work on my coaching business
0: nice nice so it sounds like you're wow so you, actually I like the way how you think about things and how you weigh the pros and cons um, and uh, so I know a lot of physicians are interested in coaching. Can you tell us like more about like which um, certifications or if you did get any or just in terms of um, uh, how to get into coaching for the listeners out there?
1: And so I did certified at the Life Coach School. And part of it is because my introduction to coaching was through Sonny Smith and listening to the Life Coach School uh, podcast. And, you know, when I started listening to that podcast, I really binged it. You know, I had read like, you know, some self-help personal development books before and like never finished them. It just didn't click with me. But Mm. uh, when I heard Brooke Castillo talk about the model and I really thought about it and a lot of the things that she teaches, it really made sense to me. And and when I incorporated, uh, you know, the tools that she teaches, like it really made changes in my life. And so, you know, I was just kind of all in on the life coach school and did that certification. And honestly, like when I did that certification, I was still you know, I, I wasn't necessarily like, yes, I'm going to be a life coach and, and make a business out of it. Part of it was, uh, so I did during COVID. And so I had all, kind of a lot more time on my hands because I wasn't, um, you know, my social life had kind of come to a halt and all my vacations were canceled. So Uh, You know, I thought like, well, why not do this for more of my self-development? But um, I really found that I love doing the coaching during the certification. Of course, you do a lot of peer coaching in order to develop those skills. And I just really enjoy doing the coaching itself. Um, But, you know, starting a business is... It's not, you know, it's not for everyone. It's something, you know, I definitely wanted to do, but there's no formula for it. There's probably more of a formula for starting a private practice than there is for starting a coaching business. You really got to learn how to market yourself. You really got to learn how to put yourself out there. You got to really learn how to go out and find clients. And, you know, as physicians, we typically don't think about that. Um, When we think about, you know, finding patients to come to us, it's more of talking to, you know, other physicians who might be referrals. Like, so for me in oculoplastics or op- uh, ophthalmology, i you know, um, talking to, you know, optometrists, other ophthalmologists, you know, primary care doctors, uh, and asking for patients to be referred as opposed to kind of reaching out to patients directly. Um, but as a coach, it's really reaching out to your clients directly. And that has a, a lot different mindset. You know, with being a physician, uh, you know, if you take insurance and you're really kind of separated away almost from the payment, right. And you know, the patient comes in, they get their insurance, you build insurance, like, you know, you know, there's a copay for the patient, like, you know, and as physicians there are a lot of times where like, you know, we'll order something and we have no idea how much that will cost a patient. Like, you know, if you order a lab, you don't know what the patient's copay is or how much it's going to co- uh, cost to the patients. You just kind of, you know, order and, you know, send it off. Uh, but when you're really running uh, a business you you definitely do have to start learning some of those things and so i think probably in private practice people do start kind of knowing all the specifics and i do think it's actually important even if you are employed physicians to start learning like what are the collections when you do a procedure how much do you get paid for that and you know how much is the patient paying for that and you know what the difference is uh, you know there's a lot of physicians now going to uh, direct payment plans um, where, you know, they're eliminating insurance. And I think that, you know, makes it a lot more transparent, but, uh, yeah, there's just so much to learn, um, yeah. Uh, running a business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it's, it's so fascinating to hear because you, uh, uh, it's like you have all this, uh, wisdom and experience. And, um, and so you mentioned something about mindsets and so what are some of the mindsets that, helped you succeed and some of the mindsets you find, you know, physicians may limit them when trying to be become business owners or entrepreneurs.
1: Yes. So, You know, most, uh, businesses are actually run by people with high school degrees and very few businesses are run by people with doctorate or really (laughs) high levels of education, uh, which is, you know, really (laughs) interesting. Um, you know, we as physicians tend to be kind of perfectionistic, right? Like, you know, depending on what we do, like lives, you know, matter, like if we make a mistake, it, it could really seriously like harm or affect someone. And so we are really, um, we really want to avoid any kind of mistakes or any kind of failures, but in the business world, like you're going to have failures all the time. And in fact, like, that's how you move forward, right? It's all kind of experimentation. You don't know exactly what's going to work. So you've got to just put something out there, you know, see if it works or it doesn't like tweak it, put it out again. And basically it's uh, an endeavor in failing forward. And you've got to put yourself out there in a way that I think as physicians, we're generally not necessarily comfortable uh, doing and we're generally not comfortable with failure and, and learning to be like, okay, like that, um, that didn't work out the way I thought it was, but that's fine. I'm just going to tweak this. and I'm going to try it again. Uh, and just having that mentality of, of, yeah, like every time I try something, I'm learning something new and, uh, and just keep moving forward.
0: Yeah. 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 That's uh, um, one of my mentors. He told me, you know, if something doesn't work, he just, and you're not sure, just try something and just get information. And that information is feedback. And then what you talked about iterating forward and failing forward and just constant improvement. So um, this has been a very fascinating discussion, you know, and it's really interesting to see physicians, you know, with the same, walks of life, you know, same experiences. So I know a lot of listeners are interested in um, finding out more about you, contacting you, and maybe even working with you. So how can they do that?
1: The easiest way to find me is to go to my website, Uh growyourwealthymindset.com. There you can actually see all my other social media links. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And any, uh, any last, parting words of advice or before we call it a day?
1: Yeah. So I really believe that by having financial security and kind of working that path so that, you know, when you're financially independent, that physicians can then be in a much better place to kind of negotiate at their job and really practice medicine the way they want to. And so I really encourage all physicians to kind of learn about finances, learn about investing so that they can really create that financial stability for themselves, not feel like they're tied to their paycheck.
0: Yeah, yeah, so well said. Um, um, Yeah, so for all the listeners on the show, um, this has been a fantastic discussion. All of um, the um, resources will be included in the show notes. And Elisa, thanks so much. It was a fantastic conversation. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. What a fantastic show. I hope you enjoyed our very special guest. Just remember as a shout out to our this week's sponsor, cityvest.com. Cityvest gives you access to the best real estate private equity funds with enhanced investment terms, verified due diligence, and lower risk. You can check them out at cityvest.com or click on the link in the show notes below to hear about their upcoming investment offerings. If you enjoyed that episode, don't forget, that's just the free content. We also have paid premium content subscription with better guest information, updates, and discussions that can't be accessed anywhere else. You can subscribe to our premium content by clicking on the link in the show notes below to subscribe. Just a quick note, members who sign up for the bottom floor price introductory the first year will be grandfathered into that price for life. I expect the monthly subscription amount to increase quickly next year and the year after, so don't delay. I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrisleumdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.